0: Newsday presents the Island Ice Podcast with Andrew Gross. And welcome to Island Ice, Newsday's New York Islanders podcast, episode 47. I'm your host, Andrew Gross of Newsday. You can find me on Twitter at agrossnewsday. And this will be the first installment in these kind of quick hitter Island uh, Island Ice episodes as we go through the rest of this Islanders postseason run. We'll uh, we'll review the previous game and uh, give you some thoughts on the upcoming game. So that's what's in store. Uh, hopefully we'll have a, a bunch more of these shows to do, but... You know, if you're going by the Islanders' Game 1 performance against the Lightning in the Eastern Conference Finals, then, you know, honestly, I, I don't know how many, <laughs> how many more postseason Island Ice podcasts there will be. Not much to say about this game. I think the score pretty much says it all. 8-2? to two? The Lightning get off to a, a quick start. Goal 114 into the first period. Braden Point just makes uh, Ryan Pulak look stationary and uh, just, you know, absolutely schooled Thomas Grice at the net. Uh, Grice uh, alone and uh, and Point reaches around them and it's one nothing. Lightning, 114 into the Islanders' first Eastern Conference Finals since 1993, and and, and really the, the Lightning were not slowed much for the rest of the game. Game two is on Wednesday. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about what the Islanders need to do better for that game, but uh, we'll start here, and th- this was a, a huge thing in game one. Look, if the Islanders cannot slow down the Tampa Bay Lightning's top line, specifically Braden Point and Nikita Kucherov. This is going to be a very short series. Both of them had five points in game one, which is remarkable because the Islanders, uh, and this comes from obviously Islanders statistician uh, Eric Hornick, but he tweeted out that this is the first time in Islander playoff history that a player had scored five points against him, and you get two in one game. And, uh, you know, that, that, that's a pretty damning stat right there. Kucherov and, and Point were just faster. Uh, they, they, they were more dangerous than the Islanders. And, and they just capitalized seemingly on every single chance they got. Braden Point, uh, two goals, three assists. And Nikita Kucherov with a goal and four assists. That's going to be, like I said, a, a really short story if that that pair, along with andres Pilat uh you know keeps up that kind of pace. Um, the other sort of red flag for me in this game, you know beyond the fact that it was eight to two, you know and and I think the Islanders hit on all the right notes after the game there was there was no you know, at least in the media session there was no you know finger pointing there was no uh you know not that they're going to curse on camera but you know what I mean they uh, they there was no outward signs of frustration and anger it was just a you know kind of a a deep breath and and a recognition that in a best of seven series if you lose eight two if you lose two one in overtime it's still an L so you know It sounds, you know, there's never a lot of time in the playoffs. And now, if you're looking big picture, which the players do not, but, you know, looking big picture, the Islanders now have to uh, win four of six against a Lightning team that got through its first two series in 10 games. Um, You know, so they are now, uh, was it four and one, four and one? That's eight and two, nine and two. Uh, since the start of the playoffs. And, uh, you know, winning four of six against them is going to be a difficult task uh, for sure. But the Islanders haven't lost faith. And, uh, you know, I, I am still... You know, I, I picked the Islanders in seven, as you heard on episode 46. And if you haven't, there's still time to go back and listen to that. Uh, all Island Ice podcasts are on the Newsday website, newsday.com backslash sports, as well as everything I write uh, about this postseason run, uh, along with Neil Best, uh, his columns, and Colin Stevenson's uh, uh, articles on the playoff series. But that plug aside... I, I, I was talking about red flags uh, before I sidetracked myself. And, uh, you know, it, it's it, it's just one game out of seven. I picked the Islanders in seven. And, you know, I, I was kind of, I, I felt good list, uh, watching the uh, NBC broadcast. My buddy, Eddie Olchuk, you know, also talked about you know the potential for this to be a really long series, and I, I still think it will be because you know the the Islanders, you know, they they talked about not being fatigued, but you know it it, it didn't take much to look at that game and just see that the The Islander team that shut out the Flyers for nothing in Game Seven was not the team that was on the ice in Game One, and you know, obviously, you got to give a lot of credit to the Tampa Bay Lightning because they are a heck of a hockey team, and it's going to take a concerted, raised level effort from the Islanders to beat them. I still think they can do it if the Islanders play to their game and, and play at their best. They can play with this team. Uh, but game one was certainly no indication of that. As I mentioned, the red flags, the, the other red flag to me was, uh, you know, obviously goaltending is always a significant factor. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm i taking Thomas Grace and Semyon Varlamov out of the mix here. Um, neither one was particularly good in this game. Uh, You know, I had sort of argued for uh, my thinking that Varlamov would be back in net to start game one. It turns out it only took him about 10 and a half minutes to get back in net uh, in this game. Barry Trotz explained after the game that he went back to Thomas Grice because the guy pitching a shutout in the playoffs deserves to keep the net and, and have the next game. And there's certainly solid logic in that, but, uh, you know, uh, and obviously this is a, uh, you know, a uh, Monday morning quarterback second guess, but I, I think I still would have started Semyon Varlamov in, in that game, even though, you know, Grice was coming off a shutout and, uh, and, and Varlamov had not looked as sharp as he had earlier in the postseason in games five and six. Um, I, I just much prefer Thomas grace in these playoffs as more of a spot starter and, and going with Varlamov as, as kind of your main guy. And, and I thought game one would have been a chance to uh, uh, get Varlamov off to, uh, you know, get him reestablished in the net. Although, look, the, the way the Islanders played defense, you know, Varlamov, if he had started, he might've been out of the game within 10 minutes and you would have been back to Grice anyway. So it's, it's, it's a, it's a key decision. And, and I'm not quite sure which way Barry Trotz and Mitch Korn and Piero Greco go in game two in net, just because I, I don't think either one of them showed you anything in game one. And again, uh, I think a lot of the blame goes to to the way the team played in front of the goalies. There, there, there were turnovers. Um, there was not enough, uh, you know. Uh, there were pucks coming down on odd man rushes. There was there was not enough sustained in the offensive zone uh, during uh, stretches, and uh, the, the the defense to call it leaky in in front of either goalie would be kind of a, a kind way of putting it. So look, I I don't think either goalie really stood a chance tonight. But still, at some points, you know, not neither one of them made the save. That was unexpected. And that's what you need from playoff goalies in the playoffs is that unexpected save that, you know, really can turn the tide. Um, So a very interesting uh, decision, uh, like I said, for Barry Trotz and and the coaching staff for game two. Um, If if it's me, you know, if I said I was going to start Semyon Varlamov in game one, I'm probably... I'm gonna stick with that and I think I would go with Semyon in game two here. Um but i I mentioned the red flag and, and here's where it was for me. Andre Vasilevsky is going to be incredibly tough to beat. The Islanders are, are probably not uh can't count on getting more than, you know, maybe two goals. You know, I I think three goals against uh, a Vasilevsky who's playing sharp is is going to be a stretch. Uh, He's that good. Obviously, you know, the Vesna Trophy winner in 2019 and a finalist this year. And uh, you saw every reason why uh, in game one, you know, it's not that the Islanders did not get chances in game one. Uh, Vasilevsky was good. Uh, obviously there were a few missed opportunities. Brock Nelson before, uh, Ryan McDonough made it three, one, uh, Nelson, uh, or, or I'm sorry, I'm forgetting whether that was before Hedman's power play goal or, or before McDonough's, uh, shot from the left circle. Either way, just before that, Brock Nelson on a shorthanded breakaway um, and, and things could have been a little bit different because the Islanders, you know, did show a little bit of resiliency after a, a pretty brutal start and Braden Point gets that first goal. But Jordan Eberle snapping an 11-game goal drought uh, with a power play goal, which was nice to see as well. And uh, you know, at 1 1, you thought maybe the Islanders had a chance to settle into this game. Uh, but then bang, bang, uh, you know, headman McDonough. And uh, by the time you know, second period, if you know, Nelson had a, a couple of other chances late in the first period, Vasilevsky stops him. Uh, second period kind of going back and forth, and then there's that. That, that weird uh, Yanni Gord goal that you know, play went on um, and then they had to blow the horn and say no, 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 no. That, that was a goal. That was 4-1. I I, I certainly think that stifled uh, some of that momentum the Islanders had at the beginning of of, ga- of the second period. Uh, and Barry Trotz said after the game he, he thought in the second period the Islanders were starting to get to their game. Now, whether they would have you know, gotten to their game and won, uh, starting the second period three one. I, I think that's very debatable. But I think this could have been a lot closer game. But Yanni Gord gets that goal and, and then uh Braden Point with the ridiculous hand-eye coordination uh, for that deflection at the post uh, off Hedman's uh, in-air feed, and it's 5-1. And, you know, that's all she wrote there at 5-1. Barry Trotz admitted that after the game. Once it got to 5-1, it got away from the Islanders. And, uh, you know, uh, in the third period, the the broadcasters were talking about Varlamov's uh, body language. You you saw some frustration, scrums, and... uh, Matthew Barzell smacking his stick against the glass twice. Brock Nelson smacking his stick against the glass once. But, you know, like I said, uh, I I think the Islanders have a a wonderful chance here to wash it all away. Um, And if there was ever any way they win game two, if they get back to their game and can win game two, then I, I really do think this is going to be a long series. And you don't want to throw... You know everything in, into the kitchen sink this early, but uh, I do think Game Two is going to tell you whether this is a long series or not a long series. And uh, you know, so what? What do the Islanders have to do? Well, uh, you know, they were they were loose. They were really loose in their defensive zone in, in a way that we usually do not see the Islanders. Um, Uh, A play in their defensive zone and whether they were fatigued or not. And, you know, the the, the Islanders talked about not being fatigued or that not being a factor in the game. Again, I'll go back to what I said. It certainly looked like they were fatigued Um, because they were just it wasn't that they were a half step slower. It was like they were a step and a half slower. Than the Lightning. And the and the Islanders are not a slow team. They 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 can play with speed, and it it has to do with the defensive zone breakouts and and good transitions and getting through the neutral zone and and that's what gets you up to speed and and the islanders just never seem to get there consistently consistently in game one so that's what i'm looking for them to do um they, they, they have to tighten up the defense and and certainly the lightning like the flyers had in uh uh, pretty much through game, you know, you want to say games four, five, and six, they started stretching out the Islanders' defense in the defensive zone. I, I thought the Lightning did a bunch of that. I, I thought the Islanders were just not as aggressive in the defensive zone, uh, the defensemen or, or the forwards, you know, in, in sort of getting out and, and, you know, trying to get in lanes and all of that. They only had 12-block uh, shots. Um, which uh, they were coming off, I think, 29 uh, the previous game. So, uh, you know, certainly a, a, a downward trend there. Um, so, you know, key number one is uh, you know, whatever goalie is in the net is going to have to be a much better version of himself, and defense is going to have to help the goaltending out, and that's no shocking news there. But one remarkable stat in this game, the Tampa Bay Lightning, you know, on the score sheet, you have shots, uh, blocked shots, and then missed shots. And if you add that up, that, that's, you know, your total chances. So the Tampa Bay Lightning had 35 or 34 shots on net. They had, as I mentioned, those 12 shots that were blocked. And then usually, you know, Miss shots is, you know, if you get 34 shots, you're usually looking at like 20 missed shots. You know, 15 to 20 missed shots as well. The Tampa Bay Lightning had one missed shot, and it came Cedric Paquette with 67 seconds left in the game. So think about it. The Tampa Bay Lightning almost played 59 minutes of hockey from the opening faceoff without missing the net on one of their shots. And for for sure, if you're going to have that kind of accuracy, goals are going to get in. The Islanders, it behooves and it's incumbent upon the Islanders to do a better job of messing up the lightning shooting lanes and angles. Uh, Everything can't be a straight line to the net as it was tonight. Uh, Just plain and simple. Uh, Asked Nick Letty about that after the game, and and he said it was, you know, uh, hockey players always talk about taking away time and space, but uh, that is going to be crucial. The Islanders need to be more aggressive getting out towards the shooters and in the lanes and, and selling out a little bit more than they did tonight. Uh, otherwise, if if the lightning continue that accuracy, which is impossible to believe, they they can be you know thirty five of thirty four of thirty five. If you take away the block shots out that get on net, I mean that just that's unheard of. But the Islanders have to play their part and, and, and to alter the angles and to clog up the lanes better. Otherwise, it's going to be more of the same. And then, you know, when I mention uh, selling out, another key uh, for game two is going to be Cal Clutterbuck's. Uh, availability and he exited in the second period about midway through. He took a shot it seemed like down low on his leg. Um, uh, Mikhail Sergachev on the power play and clutter, you know, he limps off the ice. He's helped down into the dressing room. He's not on the bench to start the third period. He appeared on the bench shortly after the third period started but he never got on the ice, and then shortly after that, he retreated to the dressing room again, and Barry Trotz had no update, uh, which was to be expected, but no update on Cal Clutterbuck after the game. And, look, that's a huge question mark now for Game 2. Uh, we, we've talked about this through 46 previous Island Ice episodes. Um, that identity line, which was only together for 19 of 68 games, really does, you know, kind of set a pace for the for the Islanders. And uh, uh, Matt Martin and Casey Sezekis are just not as good without Kyle Clutterbuck in the lineup. So if Cal can't play, you know, I, I know this, you know, next man up, mentality is what you have to have and Leo Komarov would probably go into the lineup provided he's healthy and Barry Trotz said everyone was available for game one and Leo would probably go in and uh, be that uh, fourth line right wing there and then I I don't know what you do on the third line you know Ross Johnson uh, it was not to me not very noticeable in this game and uh, I, I, I certainly not as noticeable as as Michael Dalcall was in in Game Seven against the Flyers, but then again, you could pretty much say that uh, of the entire Islanders lineup. So you know, a couple of questions up front uh, for uh, for the Islanders as to whether you you want to you know get uh, Michael Dalcall in. Is Leo going to play again? If Leo plays again, is that going to be on the third or the fourth line? And, and then defensively, I, I'm I'm wondering you know, and I'm not trying to single Andy Green out because we've been singing his praises all throughout the playoffs, but I'm wondering if it's time, you know, uh, for, for fresh legs and a fresh energy in the back and and whether it's time for Johnny Boychuk to, uh, get back in the lineup. Um, and, you know, Barry Trotz talked about, that for game seven against the Flyers as to why he went to Michael Dalcall there instead of Leo Komarov. And he talked about just getting a different ed- energy and fresh legs. And, um, I, you know, there are going to be lineup changes, I would think, coming off an 8-2 loss. Uh, the Islanders only gave up eight goals once in the regular season. Uh, that was an, a loss to uh, the Nashville Predators uh, at home, an 8-3 loss. And if I'm remembering that game correctly, that that was a game that got out of hand a lot later than than this game did. I, I remember I think Casey Sezecus scored a shorthanded goal, and it was I think it was three three there, and then and then the, the the Predators rolled off five goals in a row. It was this game was different. Eight two felt like an eight two loss here. It felt like it could have been worse than eight two um, in, in this game. So, uh, the, those are my red flags. Game two is Wednesday night. Um, and, and we'll have to see, like I said, uh, uh, don't know who's going to be starting in net. Um, I don't know who, you know, the forwards on the third and fourth lines are going to be. And, uh, I'm also suggesting that there could be changes on defense. So it's kind of like back to the beginning at the post season, uh, uh, the beginning of the postseason when those were the three lineup questions and it sort of settled out as the playoffs have gone on that, you know, goalie Semyon Varlamov was the goalie for 14 of the first 15. Andy Green was in on defense and uh, the, the only real lineup questions was who was going to be on J.G. Pajot and now Barry Trotz has a few more decisions coming up for game two and we will talk to you after game two of this series. And uh, I I hope you enjoyed this episode, sort of a quick hitter, looking back at game one, looking forward to game two. And and like I said, we'll be doing this throughout uh, the Islanders, rest of their playoff uh, run. Um, Until the uh, next episode, I'm your host, Andrew Gross, again on A Gross Newsday. And our website is newsday.com. Backslash sports, everything on the Islanders. There, all the back uh, episodes of Island Ice, and until after the next game, happy hockey, everybody.